Welcome to the Bishop Strickland Hour. My name is Terry Barber. I have the honor of interviewing Bishop Strickland every single week to talk about how to fall deep in love with Jesus Christ. Bishop Strickland, welcome to another episode. <laughs> Thanks, Terry. Thank you. Bishop Strickland, we just finished having the 4th of July celebration, and that time you were doing some tweets. And I love what you said in a tweet, and I'd like you to talk about it. You said, on this independent day, it's good to remember what John Adams said about our country. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. What made you say that and quote that? Does, I want to hear why. You, I, I know why. I, I like it because it's true. Well, that's why I like it. <laughs> because for this great nation, yeah. and I believe it is a great nation with a lot of issues and a lot of problems. Humanity has a lot of problems these days. But um, it it can't function. What John Adams is basically saying True democracy has to be based on truth. Yeah. And a moral and religious people are seeking to live the truth. We all fail to live it completely because we're sinners. But the great genius of this American experiment is that it turned to the truth about who we are and that we are created by God and that we are have inalienable rights. And certainly that hasn't been lived perfectly, but instead of where we're headed now of ignoring God, we need to return to those basic truths. Um, and it's only then that we can hope to be the democracy, the free society that we are supposed to be, and that we have the ability to be if we'll just follow the truth, the truth of who God is, the truth of who we are, and the truth of where this creation comes from and respecting every person and every aspect of the world that God has given us. And, you know, Bishop Strickland, one of the neat things about our Constitution was unique to any of the others in the world is that we acknowledge that our rights don't come from the government, that they come from Almighty God. Yeah. That is awesome. All right, Bishop Strickland, I mentioned before the show that we're coming up to the 52nd or 53rd year after Hermane Vitae. And some of us might say, what in the world is Hermane Vitae? And why is this important to bring up each year uh, to share with fellow, not just Catholics, but all of the people of goodwill? What is Hermane Vitae? What happened back in 1968? And tell us what exactly uh, this uh, means to us today. Well, humane vitae translates human life. Mm -hmm. And where does it come from? And that's what humane vitae is about. How do we, how does a new human being come into the world? Through conception in the womb of that child's mother. Um, as soon as that child's conceived, it becomes a child of God, a new person. And Humana Vitae is about not using contraception, about blocking that conception of a child. 
And it really gets back to the basic morality that we've talked about in, in many different ways as we have our conversations every week mm -hmm. to, to realize God is the author of life, just like we were talking about with human rights. Rights come from God. Life comes from God. All of existence comes from God. Some of the great um, theologians and doctors and saints of the church speak beautifully about this close to 2,000 years ago. And we need to return to those basic truths that, um, and that's what Humanae Vitae is about. It's not, yes, it was promulgated by a Catholic Pope, Paul VI, in 1968. Um, but it really is about human life. It's not a Catholic thing. And I, I believe that's one of the, the things that we need to, as a church, um, really embrace once again that God has revealed truth to us that we're obligated to share with all of humanity. It's not Catholic truth. Right. Too many people operate as if, well, if you're Catholic, you can believe this, and if you're another religion, you can believe that, or if you don't believe in God at all, you can believe this. It's either the truth or it's not. And we know it is the truth. Right. And it it resonates with all the scientific development that's happened since 1968. We have a much deeper understanding of how the biology works, of how a child develops in the womb. We have ultrasounds that I don't know if they even existed then, but they certainly didn't exist to the degree now that you can almost get a motion picture of a child in the womb. The, the ultrasound is so mm -hmm. developed now. And many people have been converted to embracing the sanctity of life. When you're looking at a film of a child in the womb, it's hard to say that that's just goo or stuff yeah. or tissue. It's obvious there's a head, there's a hand, there's a foot, there's a child there. They can even tell what gender. And by the way, there are only two that God creates, male and female. That doesn't mean we are in any way less than compassionate to those who may, and especially in our time, have some confusions about all of that. But we need to reinforce where's the truth. And what Humanae Vitae says is the truth is that life comes from God, and when a man and a woman come together in the, the marital embrace, as we say, a euphemism or a way of saying yeah. when they have sexual relations, mm -hmm. that sadly too often is outside the marital embrace. Right. But we need to emphasize once again that anything but the marital embrace as an expression of living out of the sexual relationship is disordered to to say that for all the the ways that sexuality is lived out outside the marital embrace and even within the marital embrace that it has to be open to children there can't you can't be using contraception and that is has been rejected by humanity 
and by many in the church. But that doesn't mean suddenly it's not the truth because the majority have rejected it. It's still the truth. And it's my obligation as a bishop. It's your obligation as a Catholic man. That's right. To, If you're sharing the truth, we have to acknowledge that this is an important truth that young people need to be told. Yes, they may reject it. Their parents may have rejected it, but their grandparents may have rejected it, but still is the truth. And thankfully, many young people are acknowledging that it's the truth and are choosing to, to have their families in marriage, be open to children, and to recognize that the children are a blessing as they come from God. Um, you were referring before we got on the air to, you know, the, the reality of miscarriages. Yeah. Um, that happens, the, the spontaneous miscarriage of a child that is through no fault of anyone. It just happens spontaneously sometimes. That's sad for a woman that is, is wanting to nurture the life of that child. Um, but that's nature's way, that's God's way of recognizing that sometimes when a child is conceived, it's not their destiny to ultimately reach, to be born, to reach full term. The tragedy of where we are now is, as human beings, we're intervening in the, the life of the unborn. So it's all tied together. It's all one one gift of life that comes from God. And what Humanae Vitae is about is the very beginning, that conception that occurs when a sperm and an egg are fertilized and they come together and and the beginnings of a new person are right there. The DNA package, as they say, is right there. And to interfere with that is interfering with God's plan, which we do a lot of that in the world today. Um, but we need to be very careful about when we get on that path of willfully interfering with God's plan, it doesn't have a good ending. Well, Bishop Strickland, I, I can give you the statistics. Couples that practice uh, birth control, artificial birth control, uh, most of them never stay married. And those who are open to life that do not practice artificial birth control, 90% of them stay married. So it's just statistics, but the point of making is when you live the truth, there are benefits to living the truth, even on the natural level. When we come back from the break, we're going to continue to talk. I have something that I wanted to share regarding, um, well, a red flag regarding the vaccine and the vaccine with women who become pregnant. And what percentage of these women miscarriage with that huge you're listening to the bishop strickland hour on virgin most powerful radio stay with us family welcome back to the bishop strickland hour We've been talking about a topic that uh, I think is concerning all people. We were talking about humana vitae and the transmission of life and 
the sacredness of life. And this article got my attention on LifeSite News. It says huge red flag. And this is a uh, New England journal. Everybody knows that that's a, a you know a trusted, oh yeah, big, big name a journal. Published a study that pointed out that women who received the vaccination for COVID-19, which remember, I'll just be honest with you, was in my humble opinion, I'm just a layman, uh, was done immorally because of aborted babies. So this is the front end of that the vaccine. The back end now is that women who do take that vaccine, 82%, that's over 8 out of 10 women that become pregnant at the first 20 weeks can't carry their baby. I, you know what, Bishop Strickland, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but this is a big red flag and it hits on both ends. The first end is that they use aborted baby cells to get the vaccine. And now when they get the shot, women who become pregnant are not carrying out their pregnancy. It seems to me that this is a bad on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah, I agree. And certainly people are, are free to make their own mm -hmm. decisions. But there are lots of red flags out there yeah. that, I mean, the New England Journal of Medicine is not exactly, no. you know, some, you know, rag, you know, yeah. art, journal. Yeah. It's, it's very highly respected. Sure. And I just think that more and more people need to be aware and uh, make their decisions accordingly. Yeah, well, I just I encourage people to go to LifeSite News to pick up that article because I think it's important. And, and you know, I, I'm not a, I, I'm just pointing out lots of concerns I have about the vaccine. And that's just another one of the reasons why I think people should seriously not get the vaccine. And I'm just saying that's me as a layman, my family, I tell everybody. Uh, but that's my opinion. And it's based on the facts that have been given to me. All right, Bishop Strickland, my next topic really um, is is really tied into life again. I keep we keep hitting on uh, the unborn babies, but let's be honest: is there another war that's going on that's taking as many casualties? Nothing. Even you know, the we had eighteen people die this this year from capital punishment. Okay, I get that, but these were condemned prisoner like prisoners. Now we have hundreds of thousands, millions of babies that are being murdered through abortion, it seems to me that we should be spending a lot of time to talk about protecting the innocent. So here's the question, you, a comment you put out. Will Catholic Democrats support protections for babies who survive? The Catholic bishops of the United States are facing a great deal of political pressure these days. We are told that they must pursue dialogue. And Bishop Strickland, the reason I talk about dialogue is because I watched Bishop Robert Barron on YouTube, and there's articles on this, so it's, up, it's public information. He wanted to dialogue with some Democratic uh, Congress people about abortion, and specifically the most hideous thing, and that is uh, the partial birth abortion bill. And he said on the video that he was shocked that these political pol guys would not even discuss this matter with him and have a dialogue. And so my question to you, Bishop Strickland, is what what made you put this tweet out regarding dialogue? Because it seems like dialogue on the issue of abortion for 40 or 50 years has gotten us not very, but very, gotten us very little. Well, 
to me, the article about uh, Bishop Barron yeah. just underscored mm -hmm. that people are are closed to the issue. They are they're not interested in the truth. Mm -hmm. And there are many people that um, I mean, these people have been elected and a good number of the people in the nation don't want that truth either. And they ju have just closed their hearts and minds to even being willing to discuss it. Mm -hmm. That is, um, to me, a, a tragedy for humanity because, at, and I know people get tired of hearing it, but I'm going to keep Thank you. saying it that we've got a lot of threats to the sanctity of life in the world today. Um, and as long as the most vulnerable and the, the voiceless, the weakest, mm -hmm. the unborn, yeah. as long as they're slaughtered, we really are, I don't think we're gonna make much progress in all the areas where people are threatened if they do manage to be born. Um, and so we've got to get our priorities in order as humanity. And we're a long way from being there. We seem to go further away from being there um, instead of closer. And, you know, the scientific research is looking at all sorts of ways of manipulating human life um, that forgets that it's not ours, it's a gift. Right. It comes from God. And we better return to paying attention to the the giver of the gift, God Almighty, and, and following his rules, yeah. uh, rather than saying, we'll take that gift and we'll just manipulate it all the ways we want to. And um, it's just, it's a path of, anti-life it's a path of destruction for individual men individual women for families for all of humanity and <clears throat> we really need to wake up to where life comes from who offers it to us and begin paying attention to, to uh, paying attention to god's plan and god's rules for life rather than treating it as if we can do anything we want. I get you. Well, Bishop Strickland, I'm, I'm not in management. I'm in sales. But when I hear the slaughter of babies and I think to myself that well, how is it that we can have this happen in our nation when so many of us are Christians? I'm not just talking about Catholics, but a Christian nation. <clears throat> and it seems to me, and just my opinion, is that we need a stronger uh, response in defense of the unborn babies. For example, when you have politicians saying that you're a devout Catholic and you're going to receive Holy Communion, we already covered this weeks before to say that doesn't compute. You can't do, you can't have both. It doesn't mix. And we know what the Bible has to say about that. But I, I bring this up to you because I sometimes see politicians being stronger on this issue than even people inside our church. And I'm just saying that's shocking to me because it would you would think it would be the opposite, but I don't know what your your governor if he's Catholic I don't know I don't know what is religion. He is Catholic 
Well, he is. Okay, see, I don't know. I'm not in Texas. You are. But this was an example. I just read that Abbott, uh, Governor Abbott, is signing a trigger bill. And I'll explain what a trigger bill, outlawing abortion completely if Roe versus Wade is overturned. He's the first governor. Now, Texas has got over 25 million people. It's the second most populated state in the union. It could be a country. It's that big, okay? And for the governor to come out and say that, you know, we're going to make this uh, an abortion-free state, uh, that to me speaks volumes of this man as a governor and as a committed Christian, Catholic Christian, so my question to you is, you're in Texas. Is he getting is he getting support with this, or are there are he going to be taking heat for speaking so boldly on this life issue? Well, uh, obviously he's gotten a lot of support. I mean, they wow. the legislature passed it and yep. he signed it. Yep. Um, but a lot of opposition as well, mm-hmm. and so we need to support the politicians that are doing the right thing and moving toward supporting the sanctity of life. And uh, so it's a step in the right direction. Uh, Hopefully that trigger will actually happen one day. Mm -hmm. Um, But it is a a great step for the governor in the state of Texas. And uh, it's just, again, the truth of the reality of, you know, protecting life beginning then, and then we can start working on all the other ways. I mean, we talk about the, um, the tragic shootings that happen, um, in this, the, the collapse of the condo that was oh yeah in Florida accidental, maybe neglect, but we don't really know. Hopefully it was just not any neglect. And it was just the reality that sometimes bad things happen yeah. uh, without anyone ill intending anything, but all of those lives are sacred. Um, and that's what we need to just keep preaching that every life yeah. on the planet at this moment, if we could just suddenly all embrace that every person unborn or everyone that's been conceived is sacred. Yeah. It would, we'd really begin to, to change how life is treated on the streets of our cities in, in every aspect of society. And, uh, so it's really the foundation of building a culture of life rather than a culture of death and a culture where too many times, I mean, it's certainly, Abortion is not the only issue. People are are treated as expendable Mm -hmm. and disposable that do manage to be born, but too much of it happens even before they are born. So life is not disposable from conception to natural death. And that's what we have to keep preaching as long as we have the breath to preach it. You know, Bishop Strickland, I just read an article about last weekend, the 4th of July weekend. There were about 180 shootings in our country. I think 65 people were shot out, shot, shot at in Chicago. In Oakland, there were 12 hours where it was total, you know, craziness. The policeman that the chief was on the, on the TV talking about, uh, they were outgunned. There was just too many shootings going on. It was total chaos. And 
I would say, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that there's a connection to violence outside the womb and the violence that inside the womb. If we can't value babies inside the womb, why would we value people outside? Absolutely. That that's exactly what I keep preaching and and we don't. Yeah. The reality is that those shootings happen because people are not valuing that life. Yeah. And it does trace back philosophically and actually to being taught that if a life gets in my way, I can get rid of it. Yeah. That's what abortion does. And that's what death after birth at any point. That's what it's about. Well said, Bishop Strickland. When we come back, we're going to open up our catechisms, folks, to paragraph <clears throat> 203. That's 203, talking about God reveals his name. This is the fundamentals of the faith here with Bishop Strickland on Virgin Most Powerful. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. I'm so uh, amazed, Bishop Strickland, that uh, your your website for the the St. Philip Institute has so many resources. It just seems like you guys are doing more and more there. Can you tell our listeners how they can benefit by going to that website, please? Absolutely. Stphilipinstitute.org. It, um, it's all about sharing the truth. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the truth already this this session. Mm -hmm. And the truth is is a beautiful gift. That is what we try to emphasize in the St. Philip Institute. We've got some great people. Dr. Stacy Trisenkos mm -hmm. is the executive director. Um, Deanna Johnston is the uh, director of family, marriage and family life. Dr. Luke Arredondo is the director of faith formation and they really are gaining speed and, and offering a lot. Thankfully, as we're moving more and more post COVID, mm -hmm. hopefully we continue to see COVID in our rearview mirror and uh, move forward with sharing the truth joyfully and uh, being strong in Christ. And that's what the St. Philip Institute is all about. Um, there's a, book that is part of the St. Philip Institute, The Way of Christ, for anyone listening that has a friend or maybe themselves, maybe they just caught this broadcast and are are really considering the Catholic faith or wanting to learn more, go to the stphilipinstitute.org. Um, on the website, you can order The Way of Christ, which is designed for anyone, Catholic or not, that wants to just have a basic review or to begin learning the right. basics of the Catholic faith. Awesome. <coughs> Fantastic. I love it. And we have it right on the screen, stphilipinstitute.org. Okay, let's open up our catechisms to paragraph 203. That's 203, titled, God Reveals His Name. And we'll start off, and I'll read it, and then Bishop Stricken can share his thoughts on it. God revealed himself to his people, Israel, by making his name known to them. A name expresses a person's essence and identity and the meaning of this person's life. God has a name. He is not an anonymous 
force. To disclose one's name is to make oneself known to others. In a way, it is hand it is to hand oneself over by becoming an accessible, capable of being known more intimately and addressed personally. Wow, I Bishop Strickland, uh how important it is to you know know the name it, it tells it all, but I want to uh, get your take on that paragraph, please. Well, it if you notice, it mentions a number of times the word person. Yes. And that really is what this paragraph 203 mm-hmm. highlights, that we believe in a personal God. We know as, as Christ has revealed, three persons in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, each personal, one, one God, three persons, right. in, a, in a great mystery that we can never say that we can fully understand. But what this paragraph is getting at is a knowable God. And Jesus Christ is the incarnation of that knowable God, a God that we can come to know. That's the great gift and blessing of the incarnate word, the son of God, incarnate among us, conceived in the womb of a woman, the blessed Virgin Mary, as all of us are conceived in the womb of our mother, of a woman. Um, So to know God as a personal being is something that we, we shouldn't take for granted. And it really is the hallmark of the Judeo-Christian tradition. as this is pointing out, God revealed himself through creation and then to the people of Israel and the stories of, of Genesis, the story of, of Abraham, all of those stories are God revealing himself more and more that culminate in God coming to dwell among us as one of us. What better revelation of the, the person of God than to become a person like us, to become a human being. Um, so really this paragraph is is foundational. We talk a lot about going back to the fundamentals. Yeah. This speaks a lot of fundamental truth about what it means, who we mean by God and what that means to know God's name uh, now fully revealed as Father, Son, and Spirit, um, it it gives us that ability to create a personal relationship through His Son with the Father and the Spirit. <coughs> Beautiful. Bishop Strickland, I'm going to pass over 204 because you covered that with your explanation. So paragraph 205, God it says, God calls Moses from the middle <coughs> of the bush that burns with out being consumed. We all read that in the Bible, in the Old Testament. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God is God of the fathers, the one who has called the guided the patriarchs in their writings. He is faithful and compassionate God who remembers them and his promises. He comes to free their descendants from slavery. He is the God who from beyond space and time, can do this and wills to do it 
the God who will put his almighty power to work for this plan. Wow, that's quite a paragraph. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot packed in there. Um, and it reminds us, I, I love where it says, beyond space and time. That's right. And as creatures, we are the creatures created by God in his image and likeness. Nothing else in creation qualifies for being those who are human beings in the image and likeness of God. That's where the sanctity of life flows from, is that we are created in the image and likeness of God. But beyond space and time reminds us God created space and time as he created us. God to realize that God is the creator of time, I think, is a very significant aspect of revelation that really humbles us and puts us in the context of really, Terry, what it reminds me is. I love it. <laughs> what a wondrous gift. Yes. Our life is. Yeah. At the same time, humbling us to the reality that. Nothing exists outside of God. Yeah. God spoke, let there be light, and light came to be. Yeah. Let there be earth, and earth came to be. Let there be man and woman, and we came to be. Mm -hmm. the, the spoken word of God has that kind of power. And I was just reading today one of the reflections of the saints talking about Christ present in the Eucharist, Christ is God speaking those words, this bread is my body, this wine is my blood. And it really all ties together, Terry, because God, God speaks with power beyond imagining. God simply says the word, and it is. Mm -hmm. And that is what is the beauty of our faith and what God has revealed to us. It really is inspiring and exciting if you begin to ponder that. So many people in our world, even people of faith, don't really deeply ponder what this all means. That's the beauty, uh, and that's my love of the Catholic faith, yeah. is that it it has a tradition of pondering with so many great saints and theologians. St. Thomas Aquinas was a great saint who pondered all of this and wrote some marvelous teaching. Um, but there's so many others, and we can be a part of that. We're called with our intellect to reflect on who God is and who we are. So much is that is broken in our world. When you reject God, you really reject who we are. Right. Out goes God. Out goes any meaning for us as as those created in His image and likeness, which is is only logical. If we're created in the image of likeness of God, and we decide by our free will, which God has given us the ability to deny Him and to deny that he even exists, 
but we're denying ourselves at the same time. And we're in an age where that denial of God and who we are is rampant and destructive to human persons. Wow. I got to get a, you remind me yesterday I had lunch with a JPL scientist who actually has touched the things we've taken off of Mars and he's an on fire Catholic. And we were talking about the very same thing you were saying. When we come back from the break, I'll tell you what he had to say. We're listening to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Welcome back to the Bishop Strickland Hour. Bishop Strickland was giving us his commentary on paragraph 205 in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. And he pointed out that that part that grabbed him was he is the God who from beyond space and time can do this and his will to do it. The God who put his almighty power to work for this plan. You were talking about the universe. Yesterday I had lunch with a new show that Virgin Most Powerful Radio is going to be putting out with two Knights of the Columbus men, and they're both professional people. And one is a JPL. You probably don't know about Jet Propulsion Laboratory in Pasadena, California. Got a few people might know about it. It's famous. And they are the guys who put us on the, into Mars, and they brought back rocks. Well, that's what he does for a living. So I'm sitting there having a talk with a guy, and I'm talking about the attributes of God with the scientist. And he's a, he's a one who has faith. And it was so beautiful to listen to him talk about, yeah, we're just right now going outside our solar system. I said, well, how big is it? He says, we don't know. We don't have any, you know, we, we, it's that big. Yeah, it's that big. And he says, God, he said, I see God in all of my work as a scientist. So I said, well, you know, when you do the show at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, let's talk about faith and reason and your scientist's background and how you as a Catholic see all this work that you're doing on outer space and seeing God in all this. So I tell you, Bishop Strickland, I don't know about you, but as a guy, I'm fascinated by space and how, because it shows me how, how big it is and how God created all this. And we have no idea how big it is. And we think we, you know, we're, he said that back in 1977, the Mars one, Mars two, uh, it's still communicating with us. It's out there in space. I said, how far? He says, pretty far out. There. You know, I'm like, well, how far is far? But it's just bigger than anything that we can grasp. You know, I can drive to Texas in maybe 20 hours from California. Yeah. That's far for me. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. that's why I say this is so beautiful. And I think that if people would understand to study the, like, the attributes of God, because I think sometimes we don't know how big our God is and yeah. that God is all-knowing, omnipotent, all these things that were, what? And I think that it, it really puts us in perspective of our own life and how, Bishop Strickland, you're in your 60s, I'm 64. It, guess what? I keep saying it to myself, and I say it to you. I think I've said it three or four times. We're rounding third base. Our yeah. life basically is, we've, we've, the majority of our life has been lived. Let's just say that. Mm. And Well, and really, Terry. Tell me. Um, tell me. We we talk about that a lot. We're you know we're beyond middle age. Oh yeah. <laughs> we don't plan to live to be 120 no. something. <laughs> um, 
But Please, don't as you're that. talking, I think it's important yeah. that young people. Yeah. Uh, how many times have we heard youth is wasted on the young? Yeah. Young people are in peril in a very significant way mm -hmm. in our world today. Okay. Because young people are. I mean, things were much different when we were 20. When we turned 21, yeah. the world was a very different place right. and much more, much closer to the truth that the catechism is talking about. I agree. In the church yep. and throughout the world and yep. just basic human civilization. Yep. Um, so for young people to be reminded that you know, they say, oh, we're, we're old guys, 62, 64 years old. Mm -hmm. But in the perspective that this is talking about, yeah. we're all just temporarily here. Hey, amen. <laughs> and, and I think that just as you were talking, Terry, yeah. I'm reminded of something that I yeah. continually return to. Yeah. And it, it sort of brings the journey of being faithful to God into this perspective. And what occurs to me is when I sin, yeah. when any of us sin, to sin is to be caught in the moment. Mm. And to, for that moment, whatever the sin is, maybe it, it but it it's a decision moment that may take, you know, a lifetime to play out or a few minutes or whatever, whatever we're choosing. But when we make a sinful choice, we're really forgetting eternity. And we're, as you know, an old um, commercial used to say, we're going for the gusto <laughs> of the moment. Yes. And whatever that sin is, is focusing on not eternity, not on that huge expanse that you were talking about, yeah. but a little tiny moment. And we're saying, this is mine. This is my moment. And I'm going to do what I want instead of following God's plan. Mm -hmm. We're disengaging from the great plan of the universe. God gives us the free will. That's the, the two-sided coin of being created in the image and likeness of God means that we can choose whether or not we follow him, whether or not we live his commandments, whether we love him or not. Um, hopefully we choose to love God and to follow his commandments and to repent of our sins over and over again, to grow in our relationship with this personal being that has revealed himself through his son. But, I think it's so important, just as we're talking about the paragraph 205 mm -hmm. and talking about God who is beyond space and time, we are created to share one day in the vast universe of God that mm -hmm. is beyond our imagining, beyond this universe <laughs> that God has created. It's yes. beyond creation. Yes. But when we sin... We're turning away from that and condemning ourselves if we continue down the path of sin, which so many in their pride do in this world. Um, 
when we do that, we're disengaging from our destiny and we're rooting ourselves in a, in a moment that ultimately becomes a moment of darkness. So the catechism really reminds us of what God has planned for us and how we are really obligated to, to do all we can and to, ter- to urge every person we can to embrace the plan of God. In the moment, it can be challenging. It can be a cross. It can be difficult to do. As we were reminded just in last Sunday's readings, St. Paul speaks of that about that thorn in the yeah. flesh yeah. that he never got rid of. He doesn't tell us what it is. So the blessing of that is we can all relate. Whatever burden of sin, whatever temptation we keep falling to, whatever is our struggle, we can relate to what St. Paul says. But hopefully this inspires all of us yeah. to know what a wondrous plan of everlasting life God has for each of us in its today's challenge and tomorrow's challenge and every day of life that we're given. It's the challenge to embrace the everlasting plan of God and not get caught in our prideful, selfish moment that ultimately extinguishes that gift that God wants to share with us. You're getting me all fired up. (laughs) I'll tell you why. I think of the saints saying that my joy is to do the will of God. And, you know, as young people, I remember finding that out that when I was young, well, my joy is, what does God want me to do? I want to embrace his will. He's giving me this life. I want to give it back to him. He's going to give me an eternity to be with him for all time. It's It's a good deal. Bishop Sheen said it this way. He said, there's a song they sing in hell. I did it my way. And then there's the song they sing in heaven. I did it his way. And that is really as simple as it is. I'm listening to you, Bishop Strickland, saying, yeah, sign me up because I want true happiness. I want joy. I want peace. All of the above comes from Jesus Christ and embracing his will, his teachings. And this is what the world doesn't realize. I I truly believe this that the reason many people don't turn to God is because they don't really believe God could take care of them, that they have to rely on themselves. And that's tragic. I think you're right. And to really believe that you are loved by God, I think it's one of the the great challenges of our time. Mm. Because if you really drill down to what people are dealing with, because maybe they had a broken family or whatever Mm -hmm. reasons— they don't really, really believe that God loves them infinitely, beyond imagining. And once you start, I mean, we can't grasp it as, you know, it's a lifetime of growing in that. But you look at the great saints. There are people who knew that love and were willing to die to this life because they knew God's love would take them into eternal life. And uh, that's, the tragedy of our time is that too many people are shortchanging what God's plan is for just this life, and they're losing sight of of God's plan and, and who we're supposed to be. St. Irenaeus that we just celebrated uh, toward the end of June, mm-hmm. he says beautifully, the 
the glory of God is man fully alive. And that's what we're talking about. To be fully alive is to follow God's plan for us and, and to e embrace eternity and infinity beyond all the limitations that this world and this creation imposes on us. What a glorious plan God has for us. Amen. If we'll just follow his rules, live his commandments, follow his son. Um, but that's the challenge of every human being. You nailed it. We're going to have get a blessing, but I just want to tie something back in that you said earlier in the show uh, regarding the transmission of human life with Hermana Vitae, that many people today are my age or older are realizing that the life they've led has been very in, in much uh, a waste in the sense that they're now coming to realize they didn't have children, they're old, no one to take care of them, and they're going, wow, this life sucks. Those, that's the vernacular they use. Because I meet with people on Saturdays, uh, old guys, uh, and I try to you know, bring into the fact that, that it's never too late to find out about the meaning and purpose of God and that uh, you know, many of them are baptized Catholics. I encourage them, get the confession, get back to church, and uh, you know, finish with a, a, a head dive into home plate because they're baseball mm -hmm. people. So I use that yeah. analogy. But my point to you is it's never too late to turn back to Christ. And Absolutely. I think now so many people are realizing in their, in their old age, I mean, they've lived lives, let's just say, that haven't been God-centered, that they're still looking. And Christ is their hope, and we need to reach out to those folks. Bishop Strickland, could you give everyone a, a, your, your blessing from uh, Texas for all, all of us, please? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God, we ask your blessing for everyone listening and participating in this radio program that we may all trust in the power of God's love for us and his call to everlasting life. May St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin Mary intercede for us. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you, Bishop Strickland. For those who are brand new, I want to welcome you. We have quite a few podcasts on our website go to vmpr.org to look listen to any of the bishop strickland hour recordings and also all of our other shows are on that website take a look we've got many good seminars coming up one in particular about the theology of the body coming up the 7th of august here you can catch us online or be in person may god richly bless you and your family until we meet again next week have a great week and may God be with you.